Hello, I'm Christina Glickman and welcome to Extra Life and Style Unscripted, the podcast. This show and my energy are like Oprah's Super Soul Sunday meets Gucci Love Parade. If you love that, I think you'll love this show. We'll talk about entrepreneurship, fashion, edgy motherhood, aging, everything in between to shift your energy into greater possibility for a life unscripted. Because after all, I built this show for you, for us. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. In this episode, we talk about being a rescuer. Ah, this is so very me. Maybe it's you. If I could walk around with life jackets around my neck and toss them out daily, I probably would. But here's the thing. People don't need me to rescue them. They need me to listen, love, support, encourage. But rescue? Probably not. I'm not doing them or myself any favors. And in fact, I think it could be a detriment to both of us. Let's find out why. And don't forget the extra Love Army doors are open for new members. You can always go to my Instagram at Christina Glickman to join us, find out more about what we do in this incredibly special community, or send me a DM. If you know me, I will always respond. Also, it would mean so much to me and the show if you would subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. It's how we reach more amazing people like you. So let's get into it. Hello, Extra Love Army. Today's episode, I want to talk about this idea of rescuing people. And most of the time, it's people we love. It doesn't have to be that drastic, but most of the time, it's people that we care about deeply. So to be clear, this intention of rescuing people or saving them is nothing but good. But if we really take a step back, we may be unintentionally not helping someone or something by swooping in and always saving. I mean, if I could have a t-shirt made that said number one rescuer, I would. It took me many years, and to be clear, I am still learning how to let others lead, do their own thing, figure it out, and yet still be a safe space for them and not really want to fix everything and save it all. So as always, there's a little story. Uh, This was about, goodness, going on 10 years ago, but it was so significant, I bring it up often. And now this is relating to a child, but again, fill in the blank here. It doesn't actually have to be, but go with me. So I think Ryder must have been three or four years old. Montessori, um, his teacher who I adored, was telling a story, and she was talking about They were in the classroom and sometimes in Montessori, they have work of the home. And so they have a little kitchen area and they had apples out and those little cutters, you know, can you picture the cutters where you press down and then the slices come out? And the teacher was telling this story and there's a point here, she was sharing it with parents. And she was talking about this cutter they had was like 400 years old, probably had rust on it not sharp at all. And there's no way this cutter was actually going to cut through any apple, let alone a toddler trying to do it. So she paints the picture of, she sees a toddler, I say toddler, three or four years old, go over to the kitchen area. They grab the apple cutter and an apple and they put it on top of it and she's watching. And she's like, there is no way this kid is gonna get through that apple. And every bone in her body, I believe, wants to help wants to go over, help the child press it down so they can get the apple slices and move on. So this teacher tells the story about how she let this unravel for possibly a good 45 minutes. And what she found happen 
our other children came over to try to help. And before she knew it, five or six kids were lined up behind one another, pushing so this child could push the apple cutter down. Lo and behold, the child cut the apple. And the story here was this. Had the teacher gone in and rescue and get the apples cut so that this little child could have a snack, think of all of the things that everyone involved would have been robbed of. The confidence that this child had that they actually did it. The fact that these other kids saw somebody in need and wanted to help and they got to feel so wonderful about themselves because they were part of something bigger, a community. Those are the things that we rob from someone else when we want to swoop in and save the day. It's a little bit like, I used to kind of, you know, I say, quote unquote, get in trouble. If I was out at the locker with one of my kids and a teacher saw me helping them with their shoes or, uh, you know, hanging up their jacket for them. Because at the end of the day, we think we're being helpful, but actually we're robbing people, children, of their own experience to feel good about themselves, right? And, you know, this story was so significant to me. And again, it doesn't have to be about a small child, but in general, when we see anyone struggling, we want to insert ourselves. The knee-jerk reaction makes me feel like maybe I have some control or power in a situation, and it's to step in. But here's what stepping in does. Number one, it takes away the ownership of the problem and I make it mine instead of it being yours. That's not okay. Number two, I don't even give you a chance to experience and succeed or even better fail on your own. Number three, I said I've robbed you of your own experience that wasn't mine to take in the very first place. And what does it say about you? I mean, do you feel the need to be that person always? I mean, I kind of always did. And I don't know what that says about me, but I want to make everything better. I mean, that's a me issue, right? Who am I to say how I'm making it better anyways, when I'm not giving you the opportunity to solve something on your own. And the journey of that in and of itself is usually the goodness that comes out. And so where does this really stem from? Ask yourself, was the decision-making taken away from you maybe at an early age? Do you feel that you show love for someone by stepping in and handling it, right? That's not a bad thing. And is it a fear maybe that someone you love will make a mistake from small to big? And, you know, again, I, I love this school example. My kids go out on Flex Fridays when they're in junior high. And I love the fact that um, while there are safety measures in place, when they go out in the city and they take the L and they're on the subway, the teachers allow them to get lost. They don't step in. They take the wrong trains. They show up sometimes with no money. All the things. I mean, I was taught at an early age, when your kid forgets their lunch, don't you dare bring it. Number one, they need to understand it's their responsibility. Number two, it's allowing other children to step in and say, hey, can I help? Do you want some of mine? So, Ultimately, if we understand that we are eliminating some really wonderful experiences, it might make us pause a little bit more. And I think I also like to, you know, think about it doesn't mean we're jerks and that we sit around watching people struggle and offer no form of support. But, you know, ask yourself what kind of help that will genuinely help them help themselves. Don't make me quote that, you know, teach a man to fish, blah, blah, blah. You get me. And, you know, here's the thing, when you ask yourself, what would happen if you didn't help? 
And I'm going to say, I think the outcome is a good one either way. They succeed on their own. Amazing. They're full of confidence. They believe in themselves. They did it. They fail. Amazing. They failed on their own. They learned something out of it. They realized that the consequence to failing wasn't that big of a deal, and they're more apt to try it again. So we're not doing anyone in our lives a favor by being their constant lifeline. As good as that feels for us, it is not a healthy relationship to anyone or anything. And so takes us a deep look inside. If you think you're being a rescuer to your children, I will always say that we're not necessarily preparing them for so much of what life happens. And I'd much rather have them sort of fail safely under my roof. And I think ultimately it's sometimes hard to separate from your role as the rescuer, meaning aren't we just helping? But I like to ask myself, how can I support you without encouraging dependence on me? Because this also goes into feeling that we need to be responsible for everybody's happiness, responsible for how things are going. We've already talked about that energy and releasing it. And once we realize a very difficult thing, we can never save anyone. Let me repeat that. We can never save someone. We realize that all saving is self-saving. Isn't that hard? And some things are really big. Trying to help someone and save them from an addiction or unhealthy relationships, or at the end of the day, all we can really do is be there, right? And so there are a few things that I like to do when I catch myself going full on Superman swoop and cape, because again, I kind of suck at this. Um, so this is what I try to do. And these are just a couple of things because we're not going to suddenly change who we are and our behavior and our patterns. But I think this is good whether you identify as a rescuer or not. Number one, try to be a better listener in general, right? To their worries. If somebody's sharing something, just stop, listen without already, you know, forming the thoughts in your mind about trying to fix it for them. Because we all know one of the kindest things we can do for someone is just to listen, not already be at the ready to say like, oh, well, you can do this or you can do that. Not to mention, how about we let somebody figure it out on their own? And even if you don't agree with it or you think it's going to be a drastic mistake, it's their mistake to make. Like I said in the very beginning of this podcast, it's their problem, not yours. And actually by trying to solve it and take it away, it's a little bit rude. Okay, number two, I ask a lot of questions. After I'm done listening, I try to ask questions and not in a, you know, um, condescending way, like, have you thought about this? But more about to validate how they feel. I love saying this to my kids when they tell me about a situation that, that is intense or it's at school or it's social. I'll just stop. I listen and I look them in the eye and I'll say, wow, that sounds tough. That sounds really tough. And again, it could be as small as like, you know, rocket breaking her pencil or something much more bigger about, you know, one of my children in a um, heartfelt situation that's tougher. Because just phrases of encouragement of, I have full confidence in you that you're going to figure this out. I have full confidence in you that you are going to figure this out. 
Now that goes for a friend that's looking to leave, leave their job. Now, if somebody's coming to you and asking you for real advice, that's a different thing. But most of the time, we just want to be heard. We want to be validated. We want to feel safe. And I want you to tell me that my feelings are real and that I'm going to be okay. So I think even starting with a couple of these areas is a big deal and it's real progress. My extra love army of helpers and beautiful rescuers, man, I love you. I love you to the moon, but given the chance, I will allow you to fail, get hurt, stumble, and bruise. And I'm pretty sure you will come out shinier and more proud than ever because you are wildly capable. We are wildly capable. So let's not strip ourselves or anyone else from figuring that out. Off we go. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next week. 